Thank you so much, Jared. God bless you. Good morning. Wow. What a lovely joy it always is for us to come out here and see you, uh, dear folk. Um, for those of you that uh, uh, haven't met us before, our history with this um, church goes back a long way. And uh, uh, back in the... Um, I, was, I had a young car, a fellow from my church in my car with me the other day. We had to go across to Aspley for something. And um, so he was asking me the question. He said, why, why wouldn't you be in church on Sunday? And I said, well, I'm going up to this church. And, and uh, you know, and it got me thinking about my longevity and my, our relationship with this church. It started, you know, when, before we even met you. Uh, and we were living in Chile and South America. And uh, we got a message from you, uh, 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 we got a, a letter from someone in the church saying that we just, you're on our hearts and we want to start uh, connecting with you and supporting you and you send us money. And it was like this amazing blessing and I, 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 we were so blown away by it uh, that, you know, that was way back in the, in the 1980s. And, uh, you know, and then we came, and one of the first things we did when we came to southeast Queensland, because we were Kiwis, we had never lived in Australia, and when we came from Chile to here, we, one of the first things we did on a Saturday afternoon was to come up and uh, meet you. And do you remember that, Gwen? Do you me- yeah, that, was, that was way back in, I don't know, 1986 or seven or something. What was that? Last century. I mean, it was like, yeah. Last millennial. What? A thousand years ago. It's great to see that some of you are, uh, you know, still around and you're still alive and, uh, uh, you know. It's, uh, but it's been wonderful. And, uh, you know, it, there's something very precious about that. There is something very precious about, about relationships that endure, friendships that endure, and, uh, you know, it's a, so it's always a, it's such a delight for us to come up. And, uh, you know, I was talking to this young fellow. He wasn't even born, you know, uh, this guy in my car. He wasn't even born when I was talking about the days that we connected. But uh, over the years, we've had a lot of fun together. We did a men's camp one time and uh, all sorts of things like that. So that was long before your day, Ben. But it's lovely uh, it's lovely to have those things that, um, you know, do our hearts good. And so I always, it always does my heart good to come up here and see you folk. Last time we were here, we were in the middle of COVID shutdown. Everything was a little bit strange. We were having two meetings. And uh, it was, uh, it's good that we're, um, we've come through 2020 and uh, 2021 is amongst us. You know, there's a lot of strange things happening in the world. A lot of things, strange things happening in our nation. And this is a time for the people of God to know him. The people that do know their God, Daniel said, will be strong and do exploits. He was talking about the last days. The people that do know their God will be strong and do exploits. This is a day to be strong. Uh, you know, Kim's leading us in that song, uh, to be strong and, and to, to shout out. And, and, you know, we need to make sure we have real strength in our lives in these days. I want to talk to you today about God's face. It's not something we talk about very much, but it's, uh, it's, it's a precious subject to me. Uh, uh, in February, uh, well, in January, I really felt a drawing of the Lord to come aside and to seek him. And uh, I said to Judy, I'm going to put aside the first 21 days of February uh, and I'm going to just fast and seek God. I just feel God drawing me aside. And uh, so I did that. And um, those three weeks, I want to tell you, I've often, I've often done these three-week fasts and time aside but you know this was something that was just the best time I have season I have ever drawn aside into the 
the presence of God, and I bathed myself for three weeks. You know, I, uh, I had this uh, thing on my leg, which was, uh, I went to the doctor, I was a bit concerned about it, it was sort of blowing up like uh, Uluru on my leg, and I, I went to my doctor, and he, his eyes came wide open like that, and he says, we need to get that out. That's, that's, a, that's a dangerous cancer. And so um, and I, he said, you know, basically, uh, you know, make an appointment for the next day. So I, I was in the midst of my time seeking God and, and fasting. I said, well, I'm not going to do it until after the 21st. Of, and he said, he was like, no, you need to do this soon. And I said, no, I'm not. I mean, I wasn't going to break this thing. It was just the most precious thing. Anyway, I had the, uh, I got through that, and I had had to have a skin graft and all that kind of thing. That was that's another story altogether. But um, this time that I had away from God, just birthed this message that I want to give you today. Uh, you know, in the midst of this season, I was reminded. You know how many times we need reminding of priorities of the most important part, the most important things in life. And uh, because we get so caught up in everything imaginable, we get caught up in activities, we get caught up in serving God, we get caught up in preparing for this and preparing for that, and preparing for all sorts of things, and we forget the most important thing that is now. And I was reminded of it. And uh, we can't forget that God's original intention in creating man in the first place was to have relationship with him. That was why he made him. That's why he made us. We are made for relationship. And I want to tell you it is not a superficial relationship that we are made for. It is an intimate, precious knowing of him that we have been created for him. And I want to tell you this, and, and I state this, this, this message, this statement that I'm about to make, it is without any shadow of doubt about it. Everything else in life is secondary to the knowledge of him, to pursuing the knowledge of him. Now, one of my, you probably know, uh, by now that one of my favorite people that has ever lived in history is Moses. I love Moses. And uh, when I go through heaven after I've hugged Jesus' neck, I want to find Moses. Now Moses is an example of someone under the most incredible set of circumstances and difficulties developed Friendship with God. And he developed an intimacy in his knowledge of God above all else. And it cost him so much. But you know, he did it. And God's reward to him was so much that we see uh, that God says about Moses. You know, Moses had to lead over a million people, Jewish people, Don't forget that. They're a stiff-necked people, Jewish people, through the most trying circumstances and difficult uh, terrain and everything else. He had to lead those people. But in all of that, I mean, what a job description Moses had. What an incredible job he had to do. I want to tell you, I'd throw up my hands in horror if I knew that that's what I had to do. I mean, I lead people too, but I mean, his... Job was the most incredible job under very, very difficult circumstances. And yet, in the midst of that job description, he developed the most amazing intimacy with God. And uh, I want us to look at it a bit this morning because it, it, just, um, it just is a challenge to us. Such was God's French, uh, such was Moses' friendship and relationship with the Lord. He even got to change God's mind about some things. Now, you know, there's not many people change God's mind. But Moses did. 
And he, he, he even said some things, well, if you're not going to do this, uh, God will, you can take me out of the picture too. You know, he had a relationship. There are certain privileges that come with relationship, aren't there? I mean, you know, every relationship level has an increase of privileges, doesn't it? And uh, so it was with Moses. He, uh, he had this audacity, if I can say that, to say to God, well, I want you to change your mind about this. I know what you want to do. You've said what you want to do, but if that's what you're going to do, count me out. And, and uh, you know, amazing. But this is what the Lord said about his relationship. I love this story. Do you remember the time when, when uh, God got quite upset with uh, Moses' brother and sister, Aaron and Miriam? He got quite upset with them, and he, he comes to them in Numbers in chapter 8, and he says to them, it, it was the sternness, you know, that, that it starts off with. And it said, and suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, uh, verse 4 of Numbers 8, suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, you three, and, and, and I want to put the voice on because this was what God's voice was like when he said this. You three, out to the front of the tent of meeting. Have you ever been spoken to like by your dad like that? You know, I, I was one of seven kids and, and I remember you three or you two or you, Gary, out the back. And it always bothered me if he lifted up his shirt and started to undo his belt at the same time. But, uh, you know, uh, this was that voice that said, you three, come out to the tent of meeting. So the three went out, and the Lord came down, and a pillar of cloud stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. He divided them off from Moses. And when the both of them had uh, stepped forward, he said, hear now my words. Now, whenever the Lord says a phrase like that, listen. You know, it was, it was, it's a bit like when Jesus used to say, verily, verily, I say to you. You know, listen. Because when God repeats himself, there's a double requirement to listen very carefully. You don't listen casually. And I want all the men to listen to what I'm saying right now. Because men are not good listeners. I, I, sorry, Shane. Don't you go anywhere, mate. The men are not good listeners. And then one of the problems is, is that we can't listen to two things at once. Isn't it amazing how, you know, when, when you're watching the television news and, uh, you know, your, your wife speaks, one thing cuts out. And, and they can't understand that because they can, they can listen to six things at once. But men can't. And, and this is one of the problems when men have with God is that they're often listening to too many things, and, and the voice of God gets shut out. I, I don't know how we got into that subject, but it, it, it's a, when both of them had stepped forward, he said, hear my words. That's how it happened. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will reveal myself to him in a vision, or I speak to him in a dream. Not so with Moses, my servant. He is faithful in all my house. I speak to him face to face. Clearly, not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Now, uh, we're all grown up in here, aren't we, this morning, pretty much? You all right? You grown up? Is it Numbers 12? It's all right. I'm an old man now. So I get messed up. Thank you, Peter. Uh, numbers 12, apparently. Face to face. Now, uh, clearly not in riddles. Now, uh, uh, the reason I ask if we're all growing up is because this, this uh, comment about the form of the Lord is actually a picture of intimacy. It's, it's, uh, it's a little bit like if we were to talk about our, there are places in our house where, uh, you know, a husband and wife uh, will go and close the door, and it's the only place they see the form of one another. Do you know, uh, I'm not going to go into an explanation about this. You've got to be tracking with me here, all right? Cut me some slack, Shane. 
What he's saying is that Moses sees more of me than any of you. We have that kind of intimacy in the marriage relationship where uh, there is uh, that and it's only in that relationship. See, Moses had the ability, God's saying to, to, to because they were criticizing uh, Moses. You see, they were, they were going, oh, this is, you know, a lot of this, you know, when God was wanting to hear that. And I want to tell you something. He takes them aside and he says, don't you talk to this man who is my friend. Don't you talk about him because I want to tell you, I have more that with him than I do with anyone. I have something very special. I speak to him face to face as a man speaks to his friend. I, I speak to him face to face and he sees the form of the Lord. And I want to tell you, that would have alerted them. What? There is that level of intimacy that you have with our God. Now, I want to tell you something. God is our Savior. He's our Lord. He's our God. He's our healer. He's our Redeemer. He's our bright morning star. He's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. He's the bread of life. He's our door. He's our shepherd. But primarily, he wants friendship. He wants intimacy. He wants us to, to, yes, embrace all of those things that are all so important, but he wants more. He wants more. And, you know, Paul the Apostle cried out in Philippians, you know, in, in chapter 3 and verse 10. I hope I've got this right, Peter. Correct me if I'm wrong. Paul the Apostle cries out in the Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, and I've got to say it like it like it was written, all right? You can't just read this in a, in a monotone. He says, I want to know Christ. You, you know, there is an imperative sometimes in the Greek language that, that it doesn't capture in the, in the translations. But he says, I want to know Christ. Now, we're talking about somebody who has been walking with Jesus in pretty good level of intimacy all of his you know, adult life for many years when he wrote this. And yet, there was a cry within the apostle that welled up and in the middle of this, of this epistle that he was writing to the Philippians, he cries out because there was that thing that was on him. It was me in February that was crying out and saying, I want to know you. He goes on to talk about um, uh, the power of his resurrection and uh, how much we need to know that and the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to tell you that's a whole other series of sermons. Being conformed to him in his death. Do you know, uh, we've got to understand this man already had a wonderful relationship with the Lord. And yet there was something within the spirit of the man that longed for more. Longed for more. Something that just wanted, you know, the... the, the See, God has created this thing within this, the, the heart and the spirit of a man to want him, to know him. And I want to tell you, most of the problems that we have in our world today are because people are trying to fill up this thing that is within them that has been put there by God to know him with other things. Paul says, I want to know him. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 29, it says, if, you, if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him and seek with, when you seek him with all your heart and all your soul. See, God doesn't, God doesn't want... Him to write all of your heart and all of your soul just for fun. There is a reason that he puts in those, those words that are all inclusive. Proverbs 8 verse 17 says, I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. 
Jeremiah 29 verse 13 says, And you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Matthew 7 verse 7, it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Acts 17 verse 24 says, And God made the world and everything in it, the Lord of heaven and earth, did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Search the scriptures, friends, and you will find this theme that goes right throughout from beginning to end until we are brought into revelation. We're told of one of the greatest intimacies that can exist when the church becomes his bride. Hallelujah. But we're a bride in formation right now. I just got to do the wedding the other day. For this girl, who I've known since she was 18 months old. (laughs) I had so much fun doing that wedding because it was like, there's something so precious about being a pastor for a while, Stuart. You know, you get to see these 18-month-old, you know, become brides, and then I'll dedicate her baby whenever she has it, you know. No no pressure, no hurry. But, you know, there is just this, uh, this amazing thing that exists in terms of of just the, 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 the preciousness of, of becoming his bride. He is forming us into his bride. You know, I'm, I've done lots and lots of weddings, hundreds of weddings. And uh, we have this thing, don't we, uh, on, on uh, Thursday night before the wedding. It's called the wedding rehearsal. <gasps> the wedding rehearsal. I don't know what it is about the wedding rehearsal, But the bride goes out of her way to look as daggy as it is possible. (laughs) The number of brides who have turned up to the wedding rehearsal, and I've been there at 6 o'clock on a Thursday night, and, you know, and she walks in and I go, (gasps) (laughs) fluffy slippers, and it's like, it's all business. Right, let's make this happen. I've got flowers to arrange. I've got a wedding dress to arrange. Uh, the cake is a mess. Uh, and there's all this stuff. And it's like, get this done. You ready? And she stands up there in front of me. And the hair is greasy and lank. There's no makeup on. You know, and, and the fluffy slippers. And, and it's like, I look at the guy and I feel like saying to him, are you sure? Have you got this right? But you see, that's Thursday. So anyway, I go away from the, the rehearsal with this image in my mind of this bride, you know. And we're stand, I'm standing there at the front on Saturday. And the, this nervous guy, and I'm trying to keep him calm and everything. You know, and then the doors at the back open. And in walks this creature. And I'm going like, they've got the wrong woman. (laughs) Who is this imposter? And this beautiful creature glides down the aisle. And I go like, his jaw is on the ground. Mine is too. (laughs) What happened between Thursday night and Saturday? That's the subject of the book I'm writing, actually. (laughs) The preparation of the bride. But I know because I have three daughters that got married. And I stayed home those Saturdays. And I watched. And I would have to make all the pancakes and stuff for all the people that were arriving at our house. And in come, at six o'clock, in comes the hair lady. At 7 o'clock, in comes the makeup lady. Later on, someone arrives with a dress. And then someone arrives with flowers. And there's all these attendants. And I watch my daughters get transformed from the person I hauled out of bed, you know, (laughs) into this 
glorious creature that I'm going to come down the aisle with. So I know what happens. I know the transformation process, but I want to tell you, it's happening to the church. It's happening to the church. Because we're the bride on Thursday night. (laughs) Well, you are, mate. (laughs) This guy and my daughter worked in ICU together in Prince Charles Hospital. You know, I've seen him in his gown and everything. The thing is, we are the bride in preparation. And we're going to be glorious. How do we get glorious? It's, it's not through makeup and hair ladies and all that. It's by beholding his face. And by seeing him, we are transformed from one image of glory into the next. This amazing transformation takes place because as we behold his face, we become like him. Moses, he would go up the mountain and he would stay in the presence of the Lord. So long he'd come down, his face was shining. They couldn't look at him. And he had to wear a veil on his face because such was the image of God that had transferred from the face of God into the face of Moses. I want to talk to you about beholding his face. So much of our coming to the Lord in prayer is about looking for his hands. Lord, I need this. I need your provision. Lord, I need, I need to see something happen in my family and my kids. Lord, and my grandmother, I need to see, Lord, this happen in my business. And we're looking for the hands of God. And the Lord says, well, I'll do all that stuff. If you just seek my face and know my face, the hands will be there too. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things you have need of will be added to you. Do you know the number of hours and days and whatever I've spent seeking the hands of God when he wanted me to seek his face, to know his face. In the Hebrew, it says uh, the word face is translated, literally this is how it says, Face the part that turns. Face the part that turns. It comes from the root uh, word that means to turn and face appear to look. Do you know, there's nothing worse than talking to someone who doesn't look at you. You ever ever find that as as a problem? You almost feel like, excuse me. Yeah, put the phone down. But, but it's nice to make eye contact. Now, I want to tell you, if I meet with one of, one of my friends, if I meet with, up, up with one of my really close friends, you know, we might be having a coffee, but we, we kind of just lean at some stages. We're sharing some things, and I like to share from my heart. You know, we're sharing some things. We put the elbows on the table. He puts his elbows on the table, and our faces are close to each other, and we're looking to each other's eyes. And we just start to share some stuff because we don't want everyone else in the, in the coffee house to hear what we're saying. You know, and we just share some stuff, gut stuff, gut-level stuff. This is the face, the face that turns. You imagine meeting up with your mate, you want to share some real stuff that's going on in your life and you need to have that in your life. But, you know, imagine meeting up with him, he doesn't even look at you, he's looking at his phone or he's looking outside the window, you know, and you're not going to bring out anything. Do you know, when you, when you capture the eyes of the person, I want to tell you, it draws out of you what you really want to say. And I'm a bit of a sook, so I can't share anything from my heart without welling up with tears and all this stuff, you know. But the thing is, you know, it, it's sometimes you've just got to be able to look into the face of your friend and share. Kids are good at this. You know, you have a kid that, uh, some of my kids, are, you know, when they were little, you know, they, they would actually grow a hold of my face. Kids have got no... 
no understanding of what your face is sensitive, you know, and the, the ear will do, uh, or whatever, you know, and I, I often smile to myself when I see mums with little baby in arms in the supermarket or something, you know, and their kid's got their nose, and like, you know, and they're pulling it down their lip, and it's like, it, it, it's like, this is what they do, but uh, my little girl, sometimes they would just say, Daddy, Daddy, and they would pull my chin around because they wanted my 100% attention. You know, Daddy God is wanting some attention from us. He wants us to look into his face. You know, David was a friend of God. It says in Psalm 105 verse 4, Look to the Lord and his strength and seek his face always. Psalm 105 verse 4, Seek the Lord with his strength Seek his presence continually. Psalm 27 verse 8, my heart said, seek his face. Your face, Lord, will I seek. Psalm 27 verse 8, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Isn't that so beautiful? My, I have heard your voice saying, come and talk with me. You know, I think sometimes the Lord is saying that to every single one of us, but we're not hearing it. Come and just talk with me. Do you know, Moses used to go into the tent of meeting. The tent of meeting was not a place where Moses spoke. Not much anyway. Moses just used to go into the tent of meeting and listen. It was his download place. It was the place that he went and just heard from the Lord. And the Lord came down in a incredible presence and, the, and, the, and the, 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 the cloud of his presence and the whole community in Israel used to come out just to watch the phenomenon and it used to come down and Moses was in there and he would be enveloped in the presence of God. And I want to tell you, anyone else, uh, you know, would have been evaporated by the power and the presence of God, that Moses just used to go to listen and sit and behold the face of God. I want to tell you, this, this period of time I had in, in February was not, I want to tell you, you could fill only one page of an exercise book with what I said over 21 days, but it was like the Lord, I just downloaded, I just let the Lord speak. Wouldn't you be like that if someone really important turned up? I mean, if Scott Morrison walked in here today and sat in that chair and you got to go and sit beside him, you know, hopefully you wouldn't just buttonhole him. You'd want to hear from him. What do you got to say, you know? It's like uh, we, we need to do this with the Lord and beholding his face is about hearing from him. We can learn a lot about God without knowing him intimately. We can learn a lot about God. And I want to tell you, friends, it, it, it is good to know about God, but we have to learn to know him all by him, ourselves. We can't, we can't have intimacy by God. We can't download it from the internet. We, we can't get it off YouTube. We can't get it by, by going to Bible college even and getting... We can learn about him. We can learn our theology and all those things. But I want to tell you, you can only develop intimacy by being with that person. And, uh, you know, there is, a, uh, there is no substitution for just being there. In his presence. You know, how many times do we seek God for things? We seek him for healing. So often we seek him for deliverance. We seek him for breakthrough and for others. You know, I as a pastor get to witness so much of this in life because people have needs. Sometimes crises break out amongst their children or their marriages or, or about their grandchildren. And people suddenly get really serious about seeking God. But how many times do we just do it for the sake of being with him? We need a crisis. We've got one. It's just the world and what's happening in it. But you know, it often takes a crisis for us to get before the Lord. But friends, that's how we treat policemen and doctors and medical people 
There are people we contact in emergency or in crisis. But that's not meant to be with the Lord. We seek God's face because we just want it for him. We just want it for him. I want to ask you a question this morning. How long has it been since you just said, I love you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. I never let myself go off to sleep at night without uttering those words. I love you, Jesus. I love you. And I do. And I love him more and more as the days go by. Seeking the face of God takes commitment. It cost Moses so much to have what he had. Do you know every time the Lord, how many times the Lord come to Moses and say, Moses, I want you to come up the mountain. I imagine he went, oh, not again. I mean, that trek. I mean, he, was an old, he wasn't a youngster. And, and have you seen the mountains he had to go up? They were shaly, rocky, hard. They didn't have a chairlift. And this old dude had to, had to sort of pull up his, you know, and, and, and tie it up so that he could trudge up this mountain. It even happened right at the end of his life where God said to him, come on, Moses, you've got to come out Mount Nebo. It's going to be your last climb. And there's, this man's old enough now. Was he 120 when he died? This man's old enough now. He has to climb another mountain to die. That's all he was going up for, to die. One of the funny things when we first came to Australia, people used to say to die. And I used to think, what are they saying to die for all the time? I realized they were trying to say today. When are we going to do that? Or oh, to die. Well, it's not that important. <laughs> My ear is tuned now. That's all right. Seeking the face of God requires hunger. And this is, I'm going to end with this because uh, uh, Peter's yawning. I got him back from that Deuteronomy thing, you see. <laughs> Seeking God's face requires hunger, desire, commitment, time, consistency. Does this sound like going up mountains? This is all the stuff we haven't got. Persistency, wholeheartedness, and sacrifice. And that, friends, is why so many are not seeing his face. Because the commitment is so much more than we can feel we can afford. But I want to just end this by talking about the rewards. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 and says, Without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who what? Earnestly, earnestly seek him. And I want to tell you there are such wonderful rewards in those who seek him. There is fullness of joy. There is change being changed into his likeness. Is that bride being prepared? And our needs are met. Seeking first his kingdom and all the other things that we have need of are added to you. Have you ever put that, that scripture to the test? Instead of going to God about your needs all the time, just go to him for who he is and just want to hang out with him. Lord, I just want to hang out with you. I want to hang with you, Lord, and all my needs seem to get taken care of. God calls us to seek him so that we can find a better place in our friendship with him. And these need to have seasons. You know, that time in February for me was a season. I can't do that every month. I can't do that even every two months. But I want to tell you, I am in, 
I'm going to do it every year at least, have a season like that, where I just, you know, put aside all of the natural things and all of the ordinary things and I have a time where I wipe out my diary and I, I, I don't do those things and I put aside big clumps of time where I do nothing else but go into my tent of meeting. I have a tent of meeting. Hallelujah. You know, my tent of meeting is not a literal tent. It's a corner of my office that has a cushion in it. If you were to go down there today and open up my office door, you'd see the cushion. It stays there. Because that's where I lie on the carpet. I put my head on this cushion. That's me and my tent of meeting. And I want to tell you, when I go into the tent of meeting, there is not with a list of petitions and things to pray about. All I do when I'm coming into the tent of meeting is saying, Lord, the only thing that comes out of my mouth is, Lord, I love you. Lord, I want you so much more. You're so beautiful. You are so wonderful. And there are words. Of... And I want to tell you that time in that tent of meeting just goes like that. Half an hour, an hour, just, just goes like that. And it's just beautiful. I want to just end this with a challenge. You can't listen to a message like this and not do something with it. Now, I know that some of you are going to, you're putting up all these things. How can I do this? How can I, with my busy life and my business and my children and, the, and, and my education, and I'm studying, you don't realize that I'm studying to do a degree, a master's, I'm, I'm studying this under, you know, there's all these things I want to tell you, friends. You do this and see how easy the other becomes. I want to put this, I want you to put this to the test. Watch how when you do this, the other is taken care of. I want to challenge you. There's a couple of things that as I, was, as I was up early this morning praying about this, there's a couple of things the Lord just spoke into my heart that I should end and just pray about. Some of you need to have a like a an apathy just broken off you. It's like a slumber that has come. And I want to tell you, sometimes you've got to get up and just, I have a beagle. We have a beagle. First thing she does when she gets up from lying down is to stretch out the front, stretch out the back, and then shake herself. Now, beagles have ears this long. And when they shake, you know, it's like the wind is blowing, you know. And we've got to do that beagle thing. We've got to shake ourselves sometimes and just shake off the slumber. Shake off the sleep. Shake ourselves and get up and just shake ourselves, the dust that has settled on us, and say, hang on a moment. I'm a bride in preparation. I better get in preparing here, in preparing mode. You know, because the bride would be horrified if she got a phone call at 6 o'clock on Saturday morning to say, the makeup lady has decided not to come. She got a better offer. What? Imagine the panic. Worse, the hair lady. And, and, you know, we are the bride in preparation. We have got to shake ourselves. The second thing I, I want you to do and I want to challenge you on is to make a time. I want you to go home and do a budget, not about money, about time. I want you to look at your time, how you spend your time. And I want you to put down your whole week. And I want you to look at where you put time in, what you do, and all that kind of thing. Because you need to find some time to know his face. And I want to tell you, eternity, you do not want to live in eternity with a regret that you didn't do this. This is our time, friends. The people who do know their God will be strong and do exploits. And I want to tell you, the days ahead are going to require strong people of God. The days ahead are full of stuff for us that are going to be tough. But the people who know their God are going to be okay. We're going to be strong and do exploits. So you've got to do a budget of your time. And then I want you to commit to it. Without commitment, there is nothing. 
You've got you've to nail this thing and say, I'm going to do this. You've just got to commit to it the time. It might be early in the morning. It might be in the middle of the night. There was a time in my life when I had three little ones, and I want to tell you, I couldn't make the time during the day, so I set my alarm clock for the early morning, and I used to get up at 2 o'clock. And I would put a time aside. And I want to tell you, I had to sit there. Sometimes I was like this because I wanted to go to sleep. But that was my time when I learned to desire the face of God. You've got to commit to it. So I want you to just consider where you're at. I'm not just going to preach and go in my car and leave you, go back to the wonderful town of Debra. Drive and pull up next to the bakery there. <laughs> Buy a loaf of bread and go across the road to the sausage man. I'm not going to do all that without first saying this. <laughs> Come on, people. Come on, Hope Point people. Come on, Kabulcha people. Let's know his face. The one, the face that turns. You know, wouldn't it be great if Jesus in heaven is here and we're standing around talking and he says, hey, this is, uh, these are my friends, Gerard and Ben, and, but Rachel. And he says, well, yeah, Rachel, she, I don't talk to her in riddles. I talk to her face to face. Could be the other way around, you know. Wouldn't it be good? I want to be one who knows him face to face. I'm going to ask you to stand. But before I do, I want you to stand up for something. I want you to stand up to say to the Lord, I want to know your face. I want to be your friend. You didn't make me to be a hired servant. You called me for sonship. And I want to stand up for that. And I'm going to go home and I'm going to do a budget of my time. And I'm going to see how my life can change. You still have to have your prayer times. But I want you to have your tent of meeting times. That are a whole different thing. Where you just listen. And it takes learning to do that. It takes learning to be like that instead of like that. Will you stand with me? Lord, we're standing up this morning. We're standing up in this place because we want to stand for you, we want to stand with others who are a company of people that you're calling in this day where you hear the voice of the bridegroom. We hear the voice of the bridegroom calling out for his bride and say, will you make yourself ready? It's the bride who makes herself ready. And Lord, we want to be one who stands up and says, Lord, I want to be the friend of God. I want to be in true place of intimacy. I want to be the one who sees the form of the Lord. Lord, may it not be that I just hear your voice through sermons or through YouTube or through, uh, Lord, uh, people saying this or that about you or through the prophetic. May it be, Lord, that I hear your voice and I see your face and I see the form of the Lord. I'm praying for this people, Lord, that, Lord, in standing up this morning, there would be some shaking 
There would be some dust that comes off. There would be some things that, Lord, uh, prevent. There would be some things that are, even I, as I'm praying this, this prayer, I'm seeing some ropes around some people. And there needs to be a severance of some ropes, some bondages, some things. Disappointment is a word that comes to me. There have been disappointments. And I want to tell you, they've become like ropes and strings around your life. And I want to tell you, if you shake yourself like Samson did, the ropes break off by the power and the presence of God. Shake yourself in the mighty name of Jesus. And I stand with you today and I pray this prayer by the Spirit of the Lord and I sever and I break off those cords that would bind, that would hinder you and that would stop you coming into this place. Those things of disappointment, those things of rejection, those things of hurts. Oh, you're saying to me today, oh, but I got hurt in church. Welcome to the club. But in Jesus' name, we stand against those cords and those things that will prevent, that will hold you back, that will cause your feet to feel like they're riveted to the floor. And I would say in the mighty name of Jesus, stand up, shake yourself, and move forward. Move forward into a glorious new day of intimacy and friendship with the Spirit of the living God. Hallelujah, because you need to commit to it and make time. And now I pray for those that are standing who would stand up and say, I am committing to this. I am committing to sonship. I am committing to friendship. I am committing to a place of being the bride and preparation. I make myself available to that. Lord, whatever the makeup is, whatever the hair thing is, whatever the, 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 the vestment thing is, I just commit myself to you, Lord, because I need the anointing of God in my life. I need the knowledge of the Lord. And I pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. The mighty name of Jesus. I'm praying that over this church. I'm, even as I'm praying this, I sense that the Lord is stirring little things that are igniting in the heart. And there's coming. Father, I pray that such a drawing will come. Such a wooing will come. Such a, such a desire and a hunger. Lord, there are some that haven't been hungry for ages and they're sick in their spirit. I pray that your appetite would come back. Your health would return and you would desire and you would thirst after the courts of the Lord. Hallelujah. And I pray in the mighty name of Jesus, I conclude this message this morning, that there would be such health in your life, such health. And with that health, there is a steady hunger and desire to know him, whom to know is life evermore, everlasting. In the name of Jesus, I pray this prayer. Amen.